they teach in public work, work, speaking workshops, you always win over your crowd by affirming them. So let me start out by saying, I know you're not stupid, all right? Then I, now are you one over? All right. Well, why do I say that? Because I think you're smart enough to realize that as we've been looking through this journey of looking and listening to what God's doing and saying in our world and in our lives, we've understood how important it is to be one of Jesus' sheep. Because he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We've understood that God speaks powerfully through his word. And that there's a lot, of, a lot of truth in the saying that we need to stop reading the scriptures. We need to start listening to them. Understanding that God is speaking directly and specifically and currently to us today through his word. And that we need to develop within us the spiritual acoustics that allow that word to get through and to be registered and communicated to us. But with all of that, we still understand intuitively, and I know you're smart enough to know this, that somewhere along the line in our spiritual journey, we need God to, to speak to us about things that are happening in our lives. Give you an example. You're struggling with an aging parent. You're trying to figure out, what should I do as responsibility as a child to my aging parent? Should I have them come live with me? Should I go live with them? Should I put them in a nursing home? What passages of Scripture do you find the answer to that question in? Hezekiah 5.9, right? When my kids were little, I used to always tell them, whenever, whenever they said, well, 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 why do I have to do that? And I said, well, because God said so. And they said, where? And I just say, in Hezekiah 5.9. There, there is no Hezekiah. You know, I mean, there's a King Hezekiah, but there's no biblical book Hezekiah, you know. And we wish there was just like a, a Hezekiah that would have all the answers for us. Give me another example. Should I have that surgery or not? Or should I just live with the pain and maybe take the drugs that mask some of that pain? Where do you find the answers to those questions in the scriptures? Should I change jobs? Stay where I'm at? What should I major in, right? That's one of those fun ones early on in your journey in college. You don't find those answers specifically in the Scriptures. And, and we come to a place where we recognize that with all that we know about God and as close as we get into relationship with God, we need to develop or have the ability to hear from God so that He can impart His wisdom, His direction to us in the specifics of our lives. And so we, we ask the question, how do I hear the voice of God? Or how do I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me? I want to suggest that in some ways we've got that question all backwards. Because when you think about who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, and what His role is in our lives, the question isn't so much how do we hear the Spirit. The question is how in the world can we not hear the Spirit speaking into our lives? Let me give you just some kind of my train of thought that got me there. Because, you know, it's, it's, we know that the Holy Spirit is God. So it seems to be the consistent witness of the New Testament. You might point to something as specifically as, as Matthew chapter 5, uh, 28, verse 19, where Jesus said, Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God in his triune essence revealed through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's God. He's not some magical force that we somehow get out and we learn how to master like he's a, a magic potion. And they had that struggle. In the New Testament, if you remember the story of when God spread the gospel to the Samaritans, you know, after the witness and they had come to know Christ and it was genuine, he sent Peter and John to the Samaritans and through them as instruments, he had the Holy Spirit fall upon them as confirmation that God was granting the gospel to the Gentile, to the, to the Samaritans, just like he was to the Jews. And there was a guy there who had been falling around, Philip. Seeing all he had been doing and saw what Peter and John were doing, he says, man, I want that kind of power too. How much does it cost? 
I want the Holy Spirit too. You know, I want to be able to bottle it up and use it so I can zap people with it kind of idea. In some ways, we have that notion about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's God, just as much as the Father and just as much as the Son. And all of us who have a genuine, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit. The Scripture teaches us that if you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. There's no way to be a child of God without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you have to, told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you know what, in order to have eternal life, you have to be born of, the, of water and of the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, which we just studied this past Friday night, Paul put it this way, he says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, that he does not belong to Him. He has no relationship with Christ. In order to have a relationship with Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. He's within you. It's not a magical force that you need to figure out somehow or another you can get in touch with, like through some kind of a spiritual seance. He's, he's with you. He's in you. He's yours. It's God in you, the new Emmanuel. And His role in, is, is, is varied in our lives. And what I would say to you is that there is not a single part of being a child of God that you can do apart from the Holy Spirit. Not a single thing. It's not just reliance on the Holy Spirit to preach the Word or to teach it or to share your faith. There's not a single thing that you can do as a child of God without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think about some of the things we just read up here. You know, it's the Spirit who gives us power, right? What did Jesus tell the disciples after His resurrection? He says, stay in Jerusalem. And the moment's going to come when you're going to receive the power to be and to do what it calls you to do. And it was a coming of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no power to do any of that. We can't be the child of God. We can't do any things that's related to the child of God. And when He comes, He guides us into all truth. He teaches us all things. And when we forget what we already know, He reminds us of what we already know, as it says in John chapter 16. Jesus taught it was the Spirit that would give us the words to say when we had moments to bear witness for Christ. In Luke chapter 12, verse 12. Who gives us the the gifts to serve the Lord by? The Holy Spirit, right? Who allows you to begin to incarnate the nature of God, such as love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and self-control? Aren't those fruit of the Spirit? There isn't any aspect of being a child of God that you can do apart from walking and living in the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul probably put it succinctly in, in uh, Galatians chapter, uh, in Galatians, they said, you know, you know, if you walk by the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, you're not going to satisfy the desires of the flesh. It's the way to live the life of God. It's interesting. I, I don't often read John MacArthur, for it, but I, I was reading some of this stuff this week, and, and his, his, his assessment of it is that the Holy Spirit is like our everyday Jesus. You notice in one of our readings earlier, he says, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send you the counselor, and I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to, I will come to you. And he comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. In some ways, the Holy Spirit is the Emmanuel with us. It's God with us. Powerful stuff. And the role of the Holy Spirit, if you want to kind of put all those pieces together, is to separate us, to set us apart, to be God's, to be like God's, to do God's work. To make us holy. And that, that's what all of our, our spiritual lives are about, is to be holy. Jesus said, be ye holy as your heavenly Father is holy. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Spirit is God, and He's in us, and there's no way to be a child without God, and that everything that we do in our relationship with God is dependent upon the Holy Spirit, how in the world can we not hear Him? Many of you, maybe you wives, can sympathize with this story, but, you know, Christina and I can be in the car together. No kids with us, you know, none of the three boys. 
and we can be riding down the road, might have the radio on or whatever. She's not on her phone, but she starts talking. And after a while, I notice there's just this pause in her voice, and it's like, it finally dawns on me, she's expecting a response to a question. And my only answer is, what? What? What'd you say? You know, she's like, you know, and, and she's refrained from hitting me because I'm driving, you know, you know, and, and I got, I did. but in the same car together, she's speaking, there's nobody else there, and I don't hear. Maybe I'm tuned out to my own thoughts, maybe I'm tuned in to something that's going on on the radio. In, in some ways, that's just like our spiritual lives. The Spirit of God is with us. He's speaking, and somehow or another is not registering. And I don't think it's so much the issue of how do we hear the Spirit's voice, but it's why are we not hearing the Spirit's voice. And let me give you a couple of insights that God laid on my heart this week related to reasons why we don't hear the voice of the Spirit in our lives. And, and I, w- I want to point you to a couple of different passages of Scripture. And the, the first one is from fi- 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I believe this is on page 972 in your pew Bibles. Now, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He had planted a church. He had stayed there. He had ministered for a long time. He was away. Some problems had started to develop in the church. The church had started to move in some unhealthy spiritual ways. And in chapter 6, he specifically begins to talk to them again about how important it was for them not to participate in the culture of the city and the fertility cults that seemed to dominate. And he draws this conclusion in the 19th verse of chapter 6. He says, Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You, you are not your own. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. He had been specifically telling them that they needed to flee sexual immorality, as you see in verse 18. Because every sin that a person can commit is outside the body, but the person who commits sexual immorality does so against their own body. I would submit to you that one of the reasons why we don't hear the voice of the Spirit, which is speaking, is because we just violate, we just, we just are abusing His home address, which is our physical bodies. We live in a time when, when sexual license is something that's not only allowed, it's actually celebrated. The people who want to stand at the front of the line and scream the loudest are those who are cl- clamoring for that. You know, still, it's just a tragedy that the vast majority of high school kids are going to be sexually active by the time they graduate. Inflicting abuse on the residents of the Holy Spirit. And then they wonder why they can't hear God. Pornography is a a major multi-billion dollar business in our our society. Surveys show that well over 50% of most men are engaging in watching pornography. Most studies tell us that over 30% of all pastors are doing that. Up to 30% of all pastors are doing that. Engaging the mind and the body. And we wonder why we can't hear from God. I track on occasion the, the real estate transactions that are listed in the paper on, on Sundays and also in the local paper. And, and I'm always struck by the number of homes that are being transferred into the name of a man and a woman with different last names. And we wonder why we can't hear from God. Because we're just abusing the home address of the Holy Spirit, which is our bodies. You know, I... Every once in a while, I just need the confirmation that there are weirder people in the world than me. And so one of the things I do is I, I read the Dear Annie section of the paper. And, you know, uh, and, and some of them you read and, and it's just like, I don't know, anyways, but some of them are really sad. And there was one not too long ago where this woman wrote in and she said, I don't know what to do with my mom. She said, when I was a kid and, and while my, my, well, they were together and, and as my father was, was, was passing away and going through all of his mouth, uh, health journey. 
she was just meticulous in keeping the house clean. And now that her husband's passed away, my dad's dead, she, the, the house is, is just not even healthy to live in anymore. And she's constantly sick. What do I do? For some of us, our house, the house of the Holy Spirit isn't a healthy place to live because we're abusing our bodies with sexual immorality and then we wonder why we can't hear from the Holy Spirit. But believe it or not, that's not the major point that I want to make to you today. The other comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I think this page is, this, in your pew Bibles, this text is on page 1005. And, and I love this kind of a, a, of a admonition because Paul's at the end of his letter. This is a very young church. It's probably only three or four months old, five months old. He had a hand in starting it, wasn't able to stay very long. It's one of his earliest letters as he writes back to this church and he's getting down to the end and, he's, and he doesn't have a lot of space left at the end of the page and he's just giving them a bunch of spiritual counsel in bullet form. Not, not a, so you can just kind of rip it out and deal with it all by its own. And he says in verse 19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, he essentially says the same thing from a different perspective where he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Quenching the Spirit is what we do to grieve the Spirit. And he challenges us not to be people who grieve the Spirit. Now, the word grieve there is, the, is actually the word extinguish. You know, I've never had to use a fire extinguisher. Anybody had to use a fire extinguisher in a real emergency? Come on, Bob, you can put your hand up. You're a firefighter over there, you know? And, and what do you do with a fire extinguisher? You use it to put out fire, right? How is the Holy Spirit pictured in the New Testament? It's fire. And Paul's counsel is don't extinguish. Don't throw a big bucket of water. They actually use this term as well to snuff out a candle, to put out a lamp at the end of the day when they turned in. Some of the reasons why you and I cannot hear the Spirit is because we're quenching the Spirit. And I think that happens in a couple of ways. One is, is because we just resist the Spirit. We quench the Spirit by just by resisting the Spirit. The Spirit's in our lives. If we're children of God, He's, he's, he's working. He's trying to set us apart for God to make us holy and who we are and what we do and what we think and what we want and, and where we're at, all that kind of stuff, and, and we resist. You know, Stephen, one of the uh, seven that was chosen to help multiply the ministry in the early part of the book of Acts, found himself before the Sanhedrin, making a defense of who he was. And, 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 and one of the things that led him to getting stoned, not by smoking illegal drug, but actually getting stoned with stones, you know, being executed, was he said, he said, you know what? You are just like your forefathers. You have always resisted the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter 7, verse 51. That tendency comes right on down through to us as the new people of God, to resist the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're at work or out for a walk in your neighborhood and you bump into somebody and, 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 or you're out in the golf course and, and, and somebody is you know, using the Lord's name in vain or whatever and, and you just feel prompted to say something and you don't, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's just a small cup I'll throw in that. You're really angry at somebody who's hurt you. You're nurturing it and hold on to it because somehow now it gives you the satisfaction and you hear the Word of God speak to you about forgiving 70 times 7 and to turn the other cheek, and you just say, just a little bigger bucket of water. You hear the Spirit kind of prompting you to challenge you about your level of giving to kingdom work or the way that you're showing mercy to others by the way you're caring for others through your, your, your um, benevolence giving and things. And, I, boy, I got kids in college and this and that, and I got to save it. And we don't respond. A bucket of water on the Holy Spirit. 
We feel this conviction in our hearts that maybe we just spend a little bit too much time watching TV, surfing the internet, playing video games. Maybe I should spend just a little bit more time in my Bible and uh, I don't want to hear that because my favorite show is on tonight, you know, kind of idea. And just another bucket of water. We're living in an unfulfilling marriage. We know it's not coming anywhere close to the one flesh relationship. We feel this stirring that there's ways that we need to give and grow in our love for our spouse. And yet somehow we just settle for that's just the way it is when you've been married for as long as we have. Just another bucket of water on the work of the Spirit in our lives. We resist the Holy Spirit. When our conscience begins to prompt us about the movies that we watch, the diets that we eat, the fact that we maybe aren't given the same spiritual heritage to our children because we're allowing all other kinds of priorities to creep into their lives that rip them away from their time with the people of God who are of their own age. And we just say that's the way it is. We just keep throwing another bucket of water on the work of the Spirit in our lives. We quench the Spirit. And then we say, well, how come I can't hear the Spirit? That's probably the obvious one. What really struck me the hardest this week was the fact that there is such a tendency in our lives today just to flat out to try to replace the spiritual role in our lives. We want to be like God. You know, I want to have good godly character and I want to do things for God and etc. But I just kind of want to do that in my own strength. I want to walk by the Spirit through my own flesh kind of idea to use the Scriptures. I just want to come up with a man-made solution. We don't say that intentionally, but that's what we do. Instead of relying on this life-giving presence of God within us to produce this fruit, we have this way in which we just want to, I'll figure out how to do this on my own. I don't know. Let me try to give you a couple of examples. And I don't know how these will speak to you, but they speak to me. Let's talk about evangelism, the way the church is supposed to represent the church in the world. And it is very easy. And, we, and sometimes I struggle with this as a pastor. It's very easy to say, you know what? We just need the right techniques in marketing campaign. Kind of the idea of you'll build it, they will come kind of idea. So if we can just get the right postcards, you know, from outreach.com, and we mail enough of them out and have the right cookies when they get here on Sunday morning and have the right message, we can just hook them right in. Man-made techniques. Whatever happened, and, and, and I'm not saying all that is bad, but whatever happened in just being so in love with God because of the prompting of the Spirit that your life is incredibly contagious and the kingdom of God just spreads. That's the work of the Spirit. I'd rather see how I pulled this off myself. You know, kind of get, get, the, get the impression. How about you're struggling with some self-esteem issues? Maybe it's you, maybe it's your child. Well, we'll just run off to... The borders, I cited Barnes and Nobles in the first service. I want to give equal commercial airtime, you know, now to borders. Just run off the borders and we'll just buy the idiot's guide to self-esteem, you know, to a healthier self-esteem. And we'll just go home and read that. We can figure out all the skills of what you got to do to make sure that you feel good about yourself or how you can make your child feel good about himself or herself instead of just letting the Holy Spirit soak into our lives that while we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. And if that's the case, even more so now that we're children of God, There's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of Christ. So we try to replace the work of the Spirit to draw us into all that God's has. You know, we feel stress in our lives. And so we got to find the latest stress management techniques, how to take those power walks and etc. And none of that stuff is bad, but where's ever just a peace of God descending on our hearts and souls and minds as a result of leaning on the Holy Spirit. I have to tell you, there's ways in which I am... I share. I have some concern, but because there's a lot of wonderful things, I have some concern. Just our incredible reliance 
on videos and Christian literature to hear from God. I, I don't want to hear from the Holy Spirit directly. And let me just write what, let me just read what Max Lucado said about hearing from the Holy Spirit. I just want to read what he heard. Or John MacArthur or whoever else, Charles Stanley or whoever else you read. You know, Joel Olstein, if you're into that kind of stuff, which I don't think you should be, but well, that's a different story. You know, you know, we, 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 there's got to be some, something out there that man's done that can address my need instead of just getting on our hands and knees before God with his word and letting him pour himself into us through his Holy Spirit, who's crying out to be heard in our lives. See, I think so much the question isn't, how do we hear the Holy Spirit? I think the question is, why can't I hear the Holy Spirit? I think Paul put the solution pretty well straightforward when he said, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. He says, if you have new life in Christ by the Spirit, then live every aspect of your experience with Christ by the Spirit. That's what God invites us to do today. To not only live, but to walk by the Spirit in our lives. We want to take a moment here at the end of our service to give you a chance just to, to personally process through and respond what the Spirit's saying to you this morning. Perhaps the spirit of the time that we're going to have is, is literally just like the boy Samuel, after hearing God's voice for the third time, just said, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We're just going to have a, a silent time. Maybe some of you are going to want to get up and come to the, to the altar and to kind of kneel at the steps and, and to pray. Some of you may want to just kneel in your seats. Some of you may want to stand as a recognition of, that you're in the presence of God or whatever. But just do what you need to do to communicate to God. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's pray. He said he would not leave us as orphans, but would send us the Holy Spirit. Lord, show us how we're rejecting the birthright of family by the way we can quench the Spirit. Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.